0: Welcome to White Shores, the podcast for spiritual beings having a human experience. Let me invite you to walk once more beside me on White Shores to talk about the real meaning of life and the true power of what is unseen. Let's discuss dreams, Intuition manifesting as above, so below, angels, afterlife, the science of consciousness, and other infinite possibilities within and all around you. I hope every episode informs, inspires, and illuminates. So, now the scene is set, allow the gray rain curtain of this world to roll back and all to turn to silver glass. Let's walk barefoot together on the gentle glistening sands of White Shores to see what mystery lies beyond the material. Thank you for arriving safely on White Shores, a far green country under a swift sunrise. Walking beside me today is, I think, perhaps the most popular guest Ever on White Shores. And we've had some really huge names uh, on White Shores. And um, of course, those of you who listen will know that it is Dr. Julie Byshaw. She's co founder and director of research at the Windbridge Research Center, a nonprofit organization dedicated to performing rigorous scientific research and creating educational materials focused on dying, death, and what comes next. Julie received her PhD in pharmacology and toxicology with a minor in microbiology and immunology from the University of Arizona. Julie's research mostly focuses on mediums, individuals who report experiencing communication with the departed and communicate the specific resulting messages to the living Her studies include testing the accuracy and specificity of the information medium's report, as well as the experiences, psychology, physiology, and potential social applications of mediumship readings during bereavement. Julie is also the author of numerous peer-reviewed research articles, as well as the books Among Mediums, A Scientist's Quest for Answers, Meaningful Messages, Making the Most of Your Mediumship Reading, from the Mouths of medium, Mediums and Investigating Mediums and if you haven't read those I urge you to check them out because if you love listening to Julie on this podcast you're going to love reading her as well so please do check them out but I've talked way too much now you're probably thinking shut up Teresa let's hear from the medium whisperer herself Dr. Julie Feischel hello Julie
1: hello good friend how are you
0: I'm very good all all the better for, for talking to you because you know your episodes one of the reasons they're so heavily downloaded over time you know because the first time I spoke to you was 2019 um, and then again I think it was was last year or earlier this year I can't remember one of the reasons is, is they provide so much thought food for people so much to think about and then word spreads about it. Somebody says, listen to this. In fact, I had a guest um, that I in this season of White Shores who said, the reason I listened to White Shores is somebody said to me, you've got to listen to this episode with Dr. Julie Byshaw because she didn't okay. even know who I was. <laughs> and she, she just said, you know, come and listen because this episode you, it will speak to you so much. So thank you for that. And I know today's episode is going to be just as awesome and fascinating but for those of you who are listening who haven't yet listened to the previous two episodes with Julie would you mind just giving a very quick um introduction to who you are I mean I've done that in the bio but from you your story and where you are right now just sort
1: of a little um introduction to Julie again <laughs> thank you um I'll try yeah you met you I think you covered everything I would have said but uh I co-founded with my husband and research partner, Mark Bakutzi, the Winbridge Research Center to do uh, research and provide free educational materials on the topics of dying, death, and what comes next, because there's no topic that affects more people than what happens when we die or how we die. And so our our most recent um, offering I'm so proud of is we put together a free Afterlife Symposium. And it's a collection of videos um, on YouTube. Let me click so I can say the link right. It's uh, winbridge.org slash education slash afterlife 2021. I'm sure Teresa can put the link somewhere. Um, And so it was 11 sessions with 11 presenters and we had like formal uh, science talks That, you know, is what I'm used to doing. And then we had casual conversations with journalists and experiencers. And um, like one session, I talked to three of our mediums on our team and we um, talked about what sitters who are the living who are receiving readings from mediums can do to uh, optimize the reading before during and after the reading because people tend to forget there are three people involved in a mediumship reading and the medium is just one of them the sitter and the deceased person are also participants and so you that's why in choosing a medium you need to be careful and and ask for inspiration from your deceased person so you pick the right person right it's just people not all people get along so you want (laughs) to some input on like, who do you want to talk to? And then remember that you are playing a role and you need to do your best and you need to um, try and control your expectations and that sort of thing. So in that session, the, these three mediums that are on my team provided information that sitters could use to be good sitters. And I like, I just feel like that information is not in the world anywhere apart from what you
0: are you and Mark are are doing and your work is so so much appreciated thank you but can I just talk a bit more about you Julie again Um, uh, again just uh, your story is so moving about what drew you to do this kind of work it's highly unusual you're a scientist could you just explain for people who perhaps are new to you and this is the first time they've
1: heard of you yeah what made you want to do this? So uh, I came like you said my PhD is in pharmacology and toxicology so I came from this sort of world of medicine and biology and in those fields it doesn't matter who the researcher is and like when we when we this is not necessarily the case anymore but when we write papers you ne- we never say I did this in the lab, I mixed these chemicals you say these chemicals were mixed. So it seems like magic happened the experiment happened like n- with no one around. So I I'm really not used to um my story being part of it. So even 20 years later this part I still am surprised when you ask me that and that it that it matters what my story is cuz I'm it's the the research the experiment. You're such yourself. a
0: scientist. I know, I know. you are. <laughs> It's <laughs> so really I just,
1: out of my comfort zone, but
0: i I know it is. I'm so sorry. Because I know you're one of the most humble people I know, and you are so dedicated to your work. But it is a fascinating decision to make, isn't it? And I'm just trying to understand why a scientist
1: wants to do this. Okay. So while I was in grad school, uh, my mom died of suicide, and I was 24, and a scientist. And I'd never heard of any, I've never heard of a medium. I didn't know anything about it. And um, I was raised in a family that was remarkably Catholic. And so there was this thing I'd heard about heaven, but didn't have a really strong sense of what that was or what it really meant. And so as a scientist, I turned to science, like, well, what does science know about what happens after we die? And um, around that time, it was a few years after my mom had died. Um, I saw that show crossing over with John Edward and I was like, well, that looks interesting. Those people look genuinely moved and the information seems pretty specific but I'm a scientist I know how you know I, and I know how TV editing works um, and so I'd have to see it for myself. so I got a, a mediumship reading from a local medium and, <clears throat> Excuse me. It was uh, really evidential. There were things that I didn't even know that I had to check with my aunts, my mom's sisters, to to verify that were accurate. Um, and I thought there's something to this. Like there's, I read a book called The Naked Quack, and it was about how fraudulent psychics can get you. And there was a chapter at the end about mediumship. And so I, I, I understood like what cold reading was and what she might be able to tell from yeah. looking at me because it was an in-person reading. And, uh, so I understood, but I, but it didn't seem like that's what was going on. There Again, there were things I didn't even know that I had to check on. Um, what she was saying was very accurate. Uh, and so I went back to school. It was like on a weekend and went back to school Monday and I told my this my co-students the other students in my program that I was friends with and like some of the professors that this had happened and uh, most of them were good scientists and they said well I don't really know anything about that but it sounds like you had a really powerful experience but one guy a pretty religious guy um said nah you got duped those people are all frauds and you got duped and I was like, no, I didn't. I I know what happened. I was there. So that really <laughs> made me mad. And I was like, I'm going to bring this into the laboratory and and check it out. And I was able to do a post. Well, after I graduated, I was able to do a postdoctoral fellowship studying survival and mediums. And then after that funding, it was one nice gentleman funded me for four and a half years. And then he was like, I don't have any more money. So then that's when Mark and I started um, Winbridge to be able to continue doing this. And we've been really fortunate that every couple of years we get a grant from a foundation in Portugal called the Bial Foundation, and they fund um, parapsychology and psychophysiology research. And so we've been really lucky. That's kept us, We, you know, joke like Winbridge, the, the organization Bial built. Like we never would have been around this long without those grants. Um, but it's really a struggle. Um, Like I have, uh, I have multiple sclerosis and I'm in the middle of uh, a pretty bad relapse. And so when the grants were due last year, whenever it was, I was too sick. I couldn't, I couldn't have a good idea. I couldn't write it up. And so we missed that grant um, cycle. And so we didn't get a grant this year. I'm
0: really sorry to hear about that. And that is the problem with this kind of emerging research into consciousness and afterlife, isn't it? That uh, funding is always an issue and you need your patrons and supporters more than ever. Um, but can you tell me where Winbridge is right now with its research? And I, I believe a new paper has recently been published.
1: Yeah, we had a, a paper that just came out a few months ago, if that, um, and uh, the premise of the study was I was interested in, because in our research, our controlled uh, protocol where we use five levels of blinding to eliminate any normal explanations for where the mediums could be getting their information. We, one of the things we do is we ask them specific questions about the deceased person. One of the, uh, if you've ever heard of cold reading, a type of cold yes. reading is uh, information so general it could apply to nearly anyone. So to combat that, to address that, we ask specific questions. So we ask about the deceased's um, personality, what they looked like, their hobbies or activities, and their cause of death. So I was thinking, well, I wonder if people who are more visual people, uh, more visual thinkers, would um, be better at, say, the, the physical description. And maybe people who are more sort of kinesthetic, body-centered learning Uh, would be better at cause of death because mediums feel in the body for cause of death. And so we did a study where we uh, correlated mediums accuracy scores to their learning styles and what's called sensory modality preference. So some people like to uh, receive information visually. Some people like to hear it. um, And some people like to do it themselves or like touch it. And so we looked at that and there was no relationship. So it, which really makes sense about the way that the mediums talk about how they do what they do, um, which is they're not doing anything. It's, it's passive. They're receiving the information. So um, they experience the deceased as uh, separate volitional beings who are talking to them or, you know, sharing information with them. So it doesn't matter if they're visual learners or auditory learners because they're just listening, right? So it wouldn't matter if you were a visual learner, like you would still hear this song on the radio, the same in the same way you would hear, you know, your friend talking to you. It's not about your uh, preferences. It's about just having those senses. And so these mediums have that sense, of receiving communication from the deceased. And so it it turned out, which negative data is still data. We still learn something when we say, oh, there isn't a relationship between those things that we still learned something that day. So that's what we learned with that study. And then the other part of that study that we did was we compared, um, we hadn't done this before. Uh, When we publish accuracy data, we have just looked at what's their percent accuracy total. And so we hadn't broke it down by question. So we did that. We looked at are, are some things easier to get or report um, personality, physical description, cause of death, hobbies? Um, would there be differences in the accuracy? And there weren't differences there either. So it seems like it doesn't matter the type of information. The accuracy is the same, which makes sense for the same reason. They're not getting it. They're not retrieving it. They're receiving it. So it would make sense that it doesn't matter what kind of information um, they're not going to be better at one than another because it's a passive experience. It's, it's hearing, it's receiving communication. So it makes sense that they, they wouldn't One type of information wouldn't be any different than any other.
0: This, this kind of research is so pioneering and, and much needed because it shows that something is happening here out that it can't be explained away as mediumship often is by you know cold reading or telepathy because you eliminate all that possibility don't you of them picking up any kind of visual or auditory clues or anything like that from the person that they're working with um and and you found that that when you do that they are
1: they're still able to get hits as it were you know hits that prove survival it gets it gets messy because we can eliminate all the normal sensory uh, explanations of where they could be getting their information. When we do our readings, they're on the phone. It's just a blinded experimenter on the phone with the medium. They don't have any information, so the experimenter, which is me, cannot. I can't cue the medium because I don't have any information about the sitter. The sitter's not on the phone. The sitter doesn't hear the reading. And so the medium and I do the reading, I ask the questions, they answer the questions, and then the sitter uh, scores two readings, two transcripts. One is that reading that the medium and I did for them, and then they also receive a reading that isn't for them, it's for someone else, and they don't know which is which. So then we compare the scores sitters gave their own readings to scores they gave a different sitter's readings. And then what that demonstrates is that mediums can indeed provide accurate and specific information about deceased people. And it's very specific because we ask those specific questions. So that data we published in 2015. Um, And so that has been demonstrated. However, it doesn't speak to where the information came from because psychic ability is well-established. There are two alternative explanations. Either they are talking to the survived consciousness of a, deceased person, or they're using general psychic functioning to get information from the sitter, from the universe, from the Akashic record about the deceased person. And so actually, I just received um, notice yesterday that our our uh, we have another paper that has been accepted um, for publication in a journal, and it's detailing a study where we did, where the mediums were blinded uh, some of the targets were deceased people, but some of the targets were living people and they were blinded to which were That's not physically blinded, is it for, for non-scientists? <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so blinding does not involve blindfolds, what some crazy <laughs> journalists think, um, but it means that they're just uh, certain types of information are blocked from them. So they're blinded to different pieces of information. So in our quintuple, we call quintuple blinded protocols, five levels of blinding. So um, the medium is blinded to the sitter and any information about the deceased person beyond the first name. Then the sitter is blinded to which reading is theirs. Um, Then there's three blinded experimenters. So I'm blinded to what any, any content about the actual deceased person about which medium goes with which I don't know anything about sitters I'm I'm blinded to any information about the sitters and then like Mark consents the sitters at the beginning of the process and has them fill out the consent form and that sort of thing and he's blinded to like which mediums read which deceased people and there's a third experimenter who sends the readings to the sitter for scoring and they don't know which reading belongs to which sitter so nobody can consciously (laughs) or by accident um, leak information because of the blinding. So it just means it's just a controlling of the types of information to prevent leakage of information. So, like in a double blind um, drug trial, the patient is blinded to whether they're receiving placebo or drug. The doctor treating them is blinded to which one they're re- receiving so that the doctor can't spill the beans like, hey, you should be really feeling better, right? Right. Because they don't <laughs> know. So that. The, blinding is a very common um, scientific tool for preventing um, the leakage of information that could have an impact on the outcome.
0: Oh, I'm I'm so um, in awe of the work you do and grateful too because barely a day goes by when I don't get a message or an email for people saying, "Can you recommend a medium, etc.?" And it's been difficult for me because as you Um, mentioned earlier you know there is this possibility for fraud for people who say they are mediums um which is distressing you know people in Mm -hmm. grief you know you don't want to send them to people you know um who may not have the best intentions but all i do now is i say go and check out winbridge because you have mediums that you kind of have trained as well and tested well we've tested ethics
1: yeah Yeah, we've tested them um that's all we can uh, sort of vouch for they have passed our test we don't have anything to do with like the way that they practice or yeah what they've done since then um, or what it says on their website or that sort of thing like nope all we can say is they passed the test with those dead people on that day right They're, the people yeah. who didn't pass the test that's all we can say they didn't pass the test on that day with those deceased people Um, I feel like I didn't finish about the important new paper that's coming out. Sorry, No, no, no. I got distracted because blinding, you really have to understand blinding to to make sense of all this stuff. But so this new study, some of the targets were deceased people and some of the targets were living people. And and we asked the same questions. Obviously, we didn't say cause of death. We just said, what's the person look like? What does the target look like? What is the target's personality? What are the target's hobbies or activities? And then they did the reading. And then they filled out this standardized questionnaire about their experiences. And it's a questionnaire that's widely used to sort of quantify, put numbers on people's experiences of things like hypnosis and sort of altered states of consciousness. So the mediums filled out that questionnaire. It's not designed to, to um get at the root of mediumship experiences, but it's sort of one of the only ones that we could use. So we used that questionnaire and then we found that under blinded conditions, they didn't know the the status of the target, living or dead. When they had just read a dead person, when they filled out the questionnaire, it noted it showed that they experienced more love than when they filled it out after they read a living person. So blinded, they didn't know which was which they didn't even know there was going to be one of each. They had been instructed. There might be two of one, there might be two living. It might be two dead. Um, it might be one of each. So they did a, a reading. They filled out this questionnaire and it showed under blinded conditions. They, that experience of the reading is different when the target is dead than when the target is living. So if you take the accuracy data, they can report accurate and specific information about the deceased under blinded conditions and under blind conditions. It feels different than regular psychic functioning. Then you have to conclude they're talking to the survived consciousnesses of dead people. We survive our own death. Consciousness doesn't and it just changes into a different form.
0: Oh, well, you're speaking to the converted here. I mean, I, I totally <laughs> believe in that that's possible. But I'm aware also, White Shores listeners, we have people who are more more skeptical. And I love that. I love the fact that, that, that skeptics are listening to it as well and learning from it. And um, I love it when there's debate like that. But I mean, that's why what you're doing is so important because when you have studies like this this is something to really get your teeth into and talk about what is going on look at this this testing and it's being published in where is actually being published this latest paper
1: um i think i can say we i just found out it'll be published in the journal of near-death studies wow okay yeah. okay and you, do you know when when it will no be? no she it, no that it could i have no idea i can't i can't put in an a date on it, it's just been accepted. And then that's up to the journal. Um, Yeah, I mean, they're like, how much traffic they have and that sort of thing. So
0: you're no stranger to being published, though, doing doing rigorous research and being published. um, And and neither is Winbridge. So, so so thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, (laughs) And um, what's the future now? Talk about future directions. I know the afterlife symposium has been really, really something that you've been spending a lot of time and energy on recently.
1: Yeah, um, and I think continue with that and or one of the things that uh that Mark um designed a study and ran a study recently and published or didn't publish uh presented the results during the Afterlife Symposium and he did a survey of people asking do you believe in the afterlife and then what makes you sure? And then separately what would it take to change your mind? And the Um, the survey data just in general, uh, the general, you know, people call people, you know, all over the country and do a survey that shows that in general, 80% of people believe in an afterlife, 10% 10%, uh, do not, and 10% are unsure. So who are we trying to convince? Um, Whose mind are we trying to change? So what Mark found in his survey was that the overall, like the uh, overwhelming majority said, what makes me, how I know there's an afterlife is personal experience. And Mm. then like a small minority said, uh, um, science, (laughs) scientific evidence. So, and then the same thing for what would change your mind, people said personal experience. And then a small percentage said scientific evidence. So, Whose minds are we trying to change those 10? And then the 10% said, none, nothing could ever change my mind. Um, same thing with like the real, the people who've had personal experiences, they're not changing their mind either. They know that they talked to their dead person. They know that they had that experience. They they're never coming back from that. You're not going to be able to change their mind. So this science science, personal experiences are necessary for people, for individuals, to know about the afterlife, but science is required for s- society to know uh, and institutions to know if they you know, the government's going to fund this as yes. a topic. There's no funding now, but maybe with enough science policy can change and there can be government funding. Um, but we're not changing minds. Um, it's personal experience that changes minds.
0: A personal experience, absolutely. But I, I, I do hope that there is more funding coming and and um, more science because, you know, this is t- touches all our lives and particularly with COVID and the pandemic, where there's been so much death, loss, and grief. Um, so many more people, I think, than before, yeah, are thinking about the afterlife, whether. There is one um um and wanting to look at the series out there, read personal stories, and then, of course, in the world of t v and cinema, it's reflected in movies like Disney's Soul, which I absolutely adored, and Netflix surviving death documentary doing so well. this wouldn't have happened pre covid would it um this, this yeah, unpar- yeah. there's so much interest now in survival of consciousness and the science of consciousness as well and and long may it
1: continue um <laughs> and Julie, I, you're
0: right there leading the way. You know? I, well, I
1: don't I don't really have much confidence because um, people by no fault of their own, don't understand why we would need them to fund science because every other field of scientific research is funded by the government. So humans, citizens, have no experience with like why they should fund science. So it's that's a that's a challenge. Um, people don't like to think about death, so we can't do like charity outreach, like any other charity, like show pictures of people. Like we can't, people are crying. Like no one wants to look at a picture of people suffering from grief. So we, it's very challenging. We thought, well, we'll release this free afterlife symposium and that will turn people onto like the kind of research we do, the kind of things that we offer. The fact that we, all our materials are offered for free on our website and it was like cricket. And then we tried to do our annual fall fundraiser and we try and raise $5,000. And then the, the funder, the grantor um, matches it with their with 5000 We didn't even raise $5,000. I so- hope that changes. I hope that changes. I really do. I
0: hope people listening... We'll go and check out the Afterlife Symposium and all the work you're doing. Because really what you're doing is is you're showing people that death ends a life, not a relationship. And that's the way to deal with grief and to Mm -hmm. find meaning in grief. And it's going to impact us all. We're all going to lose loved ones at some point in our life and going to need, you know, the message that Winbridge is bringing more than ever Julie um do you, do you feel that way as well that that's that's the overriding message of what you're saying is this this can help with the grieving process
1: yeah this and that's that's the purpose of this um and like I think my greatest achievement is this deck of meditation cards that I developed um, they're beautiful yeah that co- they're... it's called meaningful messages cards and so what it does is it allows um synchronicity and randomness to let you and your deceased person um get you what you need that day to establish that your relationship with them continues and that to have a better understanding of the process of grief, it's really misrepresented uh, in the popular culture. There aren't stages. There's no five stages of grief. Um, There aren't tasks. Everybody does it differently. There's lots of oscillation. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. And there are things that people needed to, what I was learning from the scientific literature and from talking to grief counselors was there's a lot of things that people need to hear, but they're not hearing it anywhere. And people, you know, everyone's busy. You don't want to read. I don't want to have to read a whole book. I don't want to have to go to a weekend um, retreat uh, or workshop. I just, so I developed this deck of cards. Like you just pick one a day, pick one and just focus on that message that day. And um, the, What has been demonstrated in the research is the thing, the only thing that makes people feel better who are grieving is the, is the recognition that that relationship is still going on. It's called continuing bonds, that your bond with that person is continuing. And so a mediumship reading could do it because you, it, it demonstrates you that, um, that the, the person is still with you. Um, what's called spontaneous after death communication, uh, can do it. And then like with these cards where you're asking your deceased person, hey, let's use randomness and the shuffle to get me what I need to hear from you today. That's called requested after-death communication. And so by requesting that the person work with you, like that in itself demonstrates that um, that they're still with you and the, the relationship continues. I I really hope, I dream of the day
0: that this kind of thing and the research you're doing the mediums you're testing would work alongside doctors and grief counselors and it would would just be part you know because you you have to come to that stage of finding meaning and 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 uh, you know continuing that relationship that's that's the way to heal Mm -hmm. and 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 to get a sense of it so (laughs) it's just just so much to talk to you about Julie I could talk to you forever really um i'm just so grateful for all that you are and do and Thank mark you. too and at winbridge for anyone listening please could you give all details of how to get your cards how mm-hmm. to find out about the symposium how to find out about you
1: and winbridge and just to learn more and connect so the symposium is at winbridge.org slash education slash afterlife 2021 um And then I um, recently put up a website, what am I saying, I Mark clearly made it for me, Um, and it's juliebphd.com. And so I thought, because the center has like the peer-reviewed journal articles, it's for scientists. Um, The center website serves four populations, one of them is scientists. But then my personal website, juliebphd.com, um, I tried to like summarize the research findings in language that people who aren't scientists can understand and you know give synopsis of um, journal articles. And that's really like, here's what we know. This is what we know, and this is how we know it. And so um, people can find my cards on that page and my books and the synopsis of the research. And then uh, winbridge.org has all the free educational materials um, that we offer. We have fact sheets, videos, um, and uh, just our website has a lot of information on it um, for specifically for scientists, for um the grieving and uh even mediums. There's a lot, there's stuff on there just for mediums and then for clinicians, people um, in healthcare. So and your cards your cards
0: are available to order there and on Amazon, I would assume?
1: Uh, no, the cards are only available through my website, juliebphd.com. Um,
0: but your
1: books via
0: Amazon, I would think, all the books that you've written about. The
1: books are through Amazon, yes. yeah, or your, you
0: know, a local bookstore. Excellent. Thank you, Julie. I know we're going to meet again on White Shore, so... <laughs> To be continued, everyone. But before Julie goes, a few fun questions that I'm asking each guest um, on White Shores for this season. Uh, The first one, um, you know, I do so much work with dreams and everything at the moment. Could you talk about dreams from an afterlife perspective, about visitation in dreams and whether you feel that that's a a sign, an afterlife
1: sign, a, a communication? So it's from what we've learned from mediumship research, um, it, it takes a sort of altered state of consciousness for the mediums to do what they're doing. So, you know, as, more so now than ever we're just constantly in our heads going, going, going. And we're always distracted by a 6 t- million things. So dreaming is kind of the only time we shut up and like, let, you know, I knock mean. the frontal cortex down and just <laughs> let things happen. So it's kind of the only time people can maybe be able to have, mediumistic experiences. And so no, it's, it's, it's wonderfully um, tuned for that. And it's very common for people to have experiences um, in the dream state. I've had it. It's, um, it's different than, you you know, you're not dreaming about someone, you know, after my mom died, I had plenty of dreams about her, right? And they didn't take Freud to diagnose them. Oh, she's going on a trip. No, please don't go, you know, and then there were some where she would walk in and I would go, (gasps) oh, that's my mom and she's dead. And she was right there. And she was, she was with me. And it, so it feels very different. And that's definitely a common experience. It doesn't happen for everybody. Um, but again, you can invite your person, like I'm in a dream tonight, please come and talk to me. And the um, recommendation is that you keep a notepad by your bed. And when you wake up, you write it down. So you, you know, you can keep track of like, well, maybe I only dream on Tuesdays or whatever, <laughs> be, be a scientist about it and and be able to optimize it for yourself.
0: So, so you would say that they are a form of afterlife connection. They can be. It. Yeah. It can yeah. Be fantastic. Thank you for that. And then my final question, <laughs> which is totally off topic, I guess, but it's, it's the theme of this season where I'm trying to figure out the meaning of that famous um, song, the 12 days of Christmas or spirit <laughs> is this is a non religious podcast it's spiritual but we sing it a lot a lot of people are familiar with it and i'd love your thoughts on what do you think it means and um is there one of the 12 days of christmas I can run through them if you want. The partridge, the turtle doves, the French hens, the calling bird, the golden rings. Yeah, geese, no, I know the them, I know. <laughs> oh, thank you, because some people I've heard, they say they have no idea what I'm talking about. But can you tell me, what do you think it means, and which would you like Mark to give you? Um, you know, which present would you like to wake up in the morning and see in your garden waiting
1: for you? Oh, I'm glad you said in your garden, because... Um, <laughs> We joke about that song all it, when, it, when this season comes around. And I have a terrible singing voice, but this is how we sing it in my house. Four kinds of birds, three more birds, two other birds, and another bird over there. It's just so many birds. We did the math once. It's 184 birds. If your loved one, if you're um, person gave you those 12 days of those things, you would have 184 birds at then. And we love birds. And where we live in Tucson, Arizona, we're right in the path of the migration. So we have outside the Amazon, we have the most species of birds. They're not all here at the same time, but as they come and go with their migrations. So we've counted like 13 different species of birds in our backyard. We love birds. <laughs> so I would say birds would be my answer, but I do not want to give receive them as a gift those are living things they should not be owned um
0: well, symbolically what do you which which one are you most drawn to of the 12 days oh my um, gosh the symbolism um, of it what do you
1: think it says uh yeah i don't that is way above my pay grade i have no that I, there is no science behind the 12 days of christmas so i really <laughs> cannot speak to that i just know that um we get it in my family we get a kick out of the, all the birds in the song
0: so all the birds, but there's not. You've got to choose. I'm going to ask you to commit oh, to. We're right. definitely going for the birds. Yeah. Once again, people listening, nobody's taken the maids of milking, the lords are leaping, <laughs> waiting to be claimed.
1: Um, I do like dance. I do like watching dance. Maybe I would do lords of leaping. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so are you going for the poultry, or you're going for the um,
0: <laughs> or the lords are leaping? I need you to commit to a, a symbol. Uh,
1: Let's go Lords of Leaping.
0: You are a Lords of Leaping, despite your love of birds. Uh, Lords of Leaping, love it.
1: <laughs> Why? Because you love dancing? Because <laughs> I love to watch dance, yeah. And again, oh. like, birds don't need, they don't, I don't need to own birds. I don't want, they they don't need to be bothered by someone. Um, they're doing their thing. But spirits, the Lords of Leaping they? are already leaping. Like, I might as well get to watch them leaping. Yeah, exactly. They can entertain
0: us. Why yeah. are they leaping and not dancing?
1: well i'm sorry i have
0: so many questions about this i'm getting rather obsessed with it clearly (laughs) oh thank you julie for humoring me and and thank you for for the gift of your precious precious time thank you so much for having me it's
1: always a blast
0: (laughs) thank you so much for all you are and do and lots of love and i know we'll speak again yes thank you Thank you from my heart and soul for being here and walking beside me in spirit on white shores. Sensitive, kind, compassionate souls like you, who see beyond the material, are needed more than ever today to help this earth heal and evolve. If you have any questions, stories or insights to share, I absolutely love hearing from you and aim to reply to everyone in due course. My website is www.teresachung.com. My contact email is angeltalk710 at aol.com. And you can message me via my Instagram handle, thetheresachung, as well as my Facebook and Twitter author pages. Until we meet again on these white shores, keep being amazing spiritual you. Sending my eternal love and gratitude.